what I teach women is once you have this aha moment of like, oh man, I was spending all my time on stuff that doesn't matter. I want to start focusing in on what does is to think about what are the five key things, I call them center points, that you want to define you. We base them on your values and the things that give you energy and that give you joy in your life, you know, combination of those things. There's a whole bunch of solutions and strategies and little hacks we can use to get everything else done. Yeah. You know, that I talk about and that lots of people talk about. I happen to coalesce them in this book and give people strategies for them, but they're none of those are new ideas. To me, it's the biggest idea is about a perspective change of saying, I am a human being that deserves to have my needs and my priorities put in the forefront of my own life. Mm. And when I do that, it's actually not detrimental to the other people around me, including yes. my kids. Then I'm actually here for them when I need to be. Hi, I'm Kelly Namiro. Welcome to the Balancing Chaos Podcast, a lifestyle podcast where we'll talk about wellness, motherhood, and some really exciting things in between. My goal is to help you develop a lifestyle that promotes health, wholeness, and success. Through my conversations with our experts and guests, I hope to inspire you to live a beautiful, full, and joyful life as you navigate balancing the chaos. Welcome back to the Balancing Chaos Podcast. I'm so happy to be back here today, just about a year later, with Dr. Whitney Caceres. Dr. Whitney is a board-certified pediatrician, author, and CEO of founder of Modern Mommy Doc. She is a voice for working moms, and I know how much you guys loved this episode from her last year, and she's back to give us some more to help you advocate for your success in navigating the challenges that come our way as women with three books under her belt, including the upcoming release of Doing It All. Dr. Whitney offers a unique unique perspective on achieving balance and having a really intentional life. So today we're going to dive back into her journey, just in case you missed the last episode. And we're going to talk all about how we can create this framework that she talks about in her book of looking at living a balanced life differently. So welcome to the show, Dr. Whitney. Thanks for having me. Really Thank you. Here. Thank you for doing this. I'm super excited about your new book. This is very exciting stuff. But before we dive into all of that, let's talk a little bit about your story and what kind of made this whole thing about, you know, all of the expectations that are put on women, how we are expected to do it all. Before we went live, you were just telling me about a post that you put up. And I was like, I think that every woman like that went viral would, would feel that like, like, how do I take care of my health and my kids and my personal growth and all of these things. Um, and I think that a lot of it has to do with expectations, but tell us a little bit about your story and why you think we feel so much pressure. Totally. So um, my background is that I am a pediatrician, Stanford trained pediatrician. I went to public health school at Berkeley. So I have all the book knowledge going into being a mom possible, you know, yeah. like I knew exactly what to do. And to be fully honest, I was pretty judgmental of parents when they came in and I'm like, this is not that hard. Like, you know, just <laughs> figure it out. Right. And then I have my own kid and my daughter is autistic. We didn't realize that she was when she was little, she has what would have been described as Asperger's previously. Now people call it autism. And she was just a really tough, baby she just didn't do things by the book and sure. even though she was a challenge she wasn't the easy baby I thought she was gonna have I still had that full like drive to be in the CEO like driver's seat at my work to be on the executive committee to really push and now 10 years later I have a seven-year-old and now my 10-year-old oldest daughter McKenna and I was talking to my mom and I go you know I just feel like when I was growing up, and this is not a diss on you, but I feel like as I was growing up that really the message was you can reach for the stars. You could be anything you want to be. You want to be like an astronaut, amazing, neurosurgeon, amazing. Don't take second best. Take that seat at the table, lean on in. But also I felt like it was definitely a message of, I need to stay pretty for my husband. I mm. need to make sure that I keep a clean house. I need to, um, you know, like cook good meals. Everything needs to be yeah. Pinterest worthy at the same time. And my mom goes, yeah. She goes, well, I didn't, I mean, like, why would you not be able to do that? 
possible? She was like, I didn't know that. Like, you know, it was like my, her version of women's empowerment really was to be able to tell me to do it all. Sure. And so I think a lot of our expectations for women come from that, especially for those of us that are in the workplace. And it's not, uh, you know, she wasn't trying to be, you know, mean or make it so much terrible. She just believed in me and thought that I was smart and capable enough to do it all. And the reality is it just doesn't work that a balls have to drop. So you end up dropping a ball, like, you know, you're not, you're going to forget somebody's appointment or you're going to, um, not make it to that thing on time that you wanted to get yeah. to. But the other ball that drops is our mental health or our relationship with the people around us. Mm-hmm. So I really strongly believe that even if you stay at that, like over-functioning high functioning level, something always has to give, you know, the body remembers. So either we get really anxious or we get really tired tired or we get really resentful or maybe we blow up at our partners because we're so mad that we do everything and they don't do anything, you know, or at our kids for like not listening the first time because we really got to get to that meeting and like, how dare they make it so we can't get to the Zoom appointment on time. Um, And so I think that's where it comes from. I think it comes from this expectation that was set up from the world, but also the way we were kind of groomed growing up to be able to do everything And I think finally, as women, that we're learning to be like, you know what, wait a second, I can do it all, but it kills me in the process. And I don't want to feel like I'm being killed in the process anymore. So I think it's not a matter of like women aren't capable. It's just like at what cost? At what cost? And I love that you said that because I feel like I spent all of 2023 really unraveling that for myself um after so th- i became a mom almost 4 years ago now and um i had that mindset that like you're there's nothing that's going to suffer because i can do it all and my husband kept telling me he's like you can't can't do it all and i'm like yes i can i can do it all like i i'm fully capable and it's funny because like i n- I'm a person who comes from a like perfectionist mindset. I struggled with an eating disorder, like all of that kind of stuff. And so, um, I didn't see it about myself in the moment of like, oh, this is just starting to bleed into my career and my life as a mom. And then the older that my oldest son got, I'm like, well, no, my time with him is suffering or like my mental health, like you said, is suffering. And those are the things that are the cost of this like high productivity hustle burnout culture that we're living in. And it, it, it does, you do pay a price. It's just about recognizing where that is. And do we want to have the breakdown? Like, do we want it to look all perfect on Instagram or like, do we want it to look, feel good in our actual life? Like, that's the question we have to ask ourselves. Yeah, totally. I mean, you brought up another great point, which is, I think the other thing that makes us all think we can do all these things is that we're seeing people's curated lives on social media. And I don't think you can avoid that. I think it's just part of the game that we all play now, but we're also really isolated from other families. So if we're not really living in community with other people, with other moms, like we don't get to actually hear the bad stories or see kids that are misbehaving alongside like our friends, then that's the only version that we get to see is that perfect kind of like Christmas card moment that people are posting on Instagram. And so I think that really perpetuates this sense of failure um, that I see a lot of moms expressing Mm. and this sense of like, moms feeling that it's all their fault as opposed to there maybe being something wrong with the entire system or with like, like, you know, the framework under which they're living. They're more like, no, personally me, like I'm the only one that's failing. And really, if you talk to every other mom around them, they would all feel exactly the same way. A hundred percent. It's so funny that you say that because I, the other day, I don't know. It was just like, I felt like, oh, okay. Like um, I'll share this. Like my son, my younger one is one and a half and he's going through a phase of like hitting and like kicking and like thinking that it's funny. And like, we're dealing with that and struggling with it. And I was like, I needed to like get out of my house and like clear my head. And like, I said, I, I don't think I've gotten more DMS about anything <laughs> than I did about that because people are like, 
oh my God, what are you doing? My kid does this too. Like I can totally relate. And it's like, people need to hear that stuff. That's real and truthful and honest just as much or more so than they need to see all the pretty curated stuff. And I think that we all can do a better job at doing that. But what I wanted to ask you next is like, for you, was there like a breaking point where you said to yourself, okay, like now I need to make change. Cause I know for me, like I said, I spent a lot of 2023 kind of unraveling this. I was like, I'm overwhelmed. I don't feel good in my day-to-day life. I feel stressed out. I feel rushed. I feel et cetera. And so how am I going to do this? I'm going to stop seeing private clients. I'm going to like, and like, so it was a lot of big changes that felt really uncomfortable at first, but I'm curious as to what that looked like for you. Yeah. So definitely, I don't think that it's all one moment that created this like, aha, it has to all change. But one particular night that I do remember my kids have both always been really articulate, like very good conversation makers, high communicators, um, like I am. And my littlest, I mean, she was probably four mm-hmm. and she's always been somewhat of a gymnast kid. Like she like climbs up onto the counters and she'd climb up into the refrigerator even. And we'd find her like, she'd be like sitting on top of the refrigerator <laughs> and uh, we'd be like, no, 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 you're not supposed to. And one day she says to me one night, she goes, you know, I do bad things because it's the only way that I get attention oh. in this family. <laughs> you know, I'm like, oh my, oh no. You know what I mean? Like, oh no, here I am a pediatrician. She's yeah. like, and it's the only time that I feel like people love me because they're paying attention to me. I mean, oh, man. and I saw so clearly in that moment, you know, I'd spent so much time trying to give and give and give to her older sister to make sure that she was okay as an autistic kid, like yeah. occupational therapy, taking her to the actual therapist, getting her on medications, like all of these different things. I'd spent so much time trying to make ends meet at my work and to do all that work, trying to take care of my patients. I spent so much time trying to order the toothpaste, you know, and also to take care of my little one in terms of making sure she had shoes and got into preschool and all those things. But somehow I had lost the point of why I was doing all of it, which really was, I wanted to have a strong connection with my kids. I wanted to help them grow to be the best version of themselves. Yeah. And somehow in that, I created this little being who felt like she was completely left in the dust. And obviously she didn't feel like that all the time. She was like a neglected kid, Yeah. but just no. the fact that she was able to articulate that made me really, really that reevaluate what am I doing here? And when my kids get to be, you know, at their wedding day, for example, and they're, you know, toasting us and we're toasting them and they're talking about their relationship with me. I don't want it to be that what my kids have to say about me is like, she worked really hard and she like made a bunch of money and you know, she always got the house clean. Like, I don't, I don't want them to say that. I want them to say like she cared about me and she always wanted the best for me. And she was always there to listen. And she always had enough presence to be able to be there when it really mattered. And so that got me going down this path of starting to think about, okay, for my own self, when I'm 80, when I'm at my, you know, retirement party, if I die on my gravestone, what are like the five key things that I want to be remembered as? Mm. Where do I want to spend the vast majority of my time, my energy and my focus? Like, what do I want to say yes to Mm. in my life? I think this is like so great for people, like, especially as the new year kicks off, like these are questions people can ask themselves. Yeah, totally. And it's not about resolutions. Like to no. me, it's not about, I want to be a New York times bestseller. Well, congratulations. But like that might not happen because life, you know, so like, like the way things work and also like, but you could be, you could have as what you want to be part of you and your mission, which is true for me. Like I want to contribute to other women. I want to spend my time writing and speaking to other women. Well, anybody can do that. Like I can do that today. I can write a blog. I can do a podcast. I can do whatever. So that does not depend at all on my circumstances. I am able to do those things. And you're in control. Yeah. That's one of my key things I'm in control of. You know, I want to have a close relationship with my kids. I want to have um, financial literacy and health. I don't want to be like struggling and in debt constantly. Um, I want to protect my peace, like my mental health peace. Like that's a huge one for me. And then my other big one is that I love like different music, different culture, different places, learning about new ideas, 
So that's my other big one that I want to invest in. And so what I teach women is once you have this aha moment of like, oh man, I was spending all my time on stuff that doesn't matter. I want to start focusing in on what does is to think about what are the five key things, I call them center points, that you want to define you. We base them on your values and the things that give you energy and that give you joy in your life, you know, combination of those things. And then there's a whole bunch of solutions and strategies and little hacks we can use to get everything else done. Yeah. You know, that I talk about and that lots of people talk about. I happen to coalesce them in this book and give people strategies for them, but they're, none of those are new ideas. To me, it's the biggest idea is about a perspective change of saying, I am a human being that deserves to have my needs and my priorities put in the forefront of my own life. Mm. And when I do that, it's actually not detrimental to the other people around me, including yes. my kids. It actually helps them because then I'm actually here for them when I need to be. <laughs> I like have not like, like I literally feel like I got the chills. Like my heart started beating faster when you were saying that because I've never resonated with anything more. The second that I made the commitment to myself to start living a life that felt more in alignment with what was important to me and what my values were versus what, like was running on autopilot or like what I thought that I like quote unquote should be doing for like my business or what, like mm -hmm. the second that I did that. And let me tell you, it was uncomfortable at first, but I showed up as such a more present mom for my kids because I had more space in my day. It was about like taking things off my plate and prioritizing my peace as well. Like it was about like doing things that actually filled my cup and gave me energy versus the things that were draining and exhausting. So I think that there's so much value in what you're saying. Now, I want to ask a very like, um, like brief question, but like a very important one, because I think that women will take this away when it comes to like what you were just talking about. And you said, like, I think you said five things. Mm -hmm. Is that, is there a reason that there are five? Is that the amount of things that we can actually be able to hold? Yeah, absolutely. So I don't have a scientific evidence-based reason for it. And believe me, I'm all about evidence-based things in the book, like all the strategies and all those things are definitely based off of evidence. The five, there's not a specific reason for that. Other than when you have five things, it's easier to make a circle because <laughs> <laughs> of a pie than anything else. And also because I think it's just easier to remember. I think if you had a list of 10 things, you know, maybe you wouldn't even remember the night thing in a day, or that's too yeah. many. One or two things, of course, you have two, like, like my kids, my job, or my kids, my work, and my health, right? Like, yeah. okay, I've already used up all my things. So sure. I find that five allows everyone to add in kind of that extra special one that makes them unique. Sure. So like the travel one or the culture one or whatever, because everybody has something really independent like my husband's one is golf and not just because he's like a guy and likes to that would golf. be one of my husbands <laughs> yeah like he just loves it like he buys the golf magazines and he's always buying paraphernalia of things that have to do with golf. I'm like how many more things do you need but then I don't know I buy Taylor Swift stuff so I you know I guess yeah. I can't talk but yeah you know, so, so everybody has their own unique thing and the question I thought you were going to ask me so I'll answer it yes please <laughs> I thought you were going to say Okay, so a lot of moms are going to say about how am I supposed to do all that because I'm swimming and I can't even get my head above water. So how am I supposed to take the time to do that? And what I want to say to that is it's about deciding that you are worthy enough of playing mm -hmm. the lead role in your own life. It's not about you having a bunch of money. It's not about you being someone who has privilege. Um, sure, if you are living in total squalor and poverty, you know, I mean, there are people that are in that position who they're just trying to survive. But if you want to be someone who is not in constant survival mode, you literally have to decide that you're going to not fall prey to America in particular and the world's productivity trap and like mindless trap of, oh, well, I just have all these things to do. Um, there are ways to eliminate more of the to-dos in your life. And when you start to focus on yourself, it doesn't have to mean that you go on a yoga retreat for two weeks by yourself and you forget everything and you don't do anything. It can start literally with you taking 
two extra minutes when you pull up to your house after work to like turn the car off, not go inside and just like take some deep breaths and think about how do I want to show up as a parent in my house? Mm. or like, what things are the most important to me? Yeah. It can start with you being compassionate to yourself when you get self-critical just in like the split second, instead of being really mad that you blow up at your kid being like, well, what is it that I need? What is it that I'm not getting? That's making it so that I'm at my edge. Yeah. yeah. You know, this isn't something that's like, you have to invest a bunch of time or money into it's really just about reminding yourself over and over again, what's important. And is this decision I'm making or this way I'm feeling, is it in alignment with what I want my life to look like? Totally. I think that that was the biggest thing for me. There was so many like things, times where I like tried to like quick fix my way out of it because I never really actually believed that I was worthy enough to like, oh, well, my business isn't making enough money to be able to do this or my, like every excuse in the book to not make the change that I knew deep down in my heart that I wanted to make. So I think that takes a lot of like building trust back with yourself. But I think my question from that point to you would be for most people in making this change that you've you know, seen and talked to and work with, do you feel like they feel more comfortable at the beginning in doing less? No. Oh my gosh. Okay. <laughs> if you are used to doing stuff all the time, and especially if you're wired as more of an anxious person or a more depressed person or a more obsessive compulsive person, mm -hmm. um, it will be a huge challenge to not, to not do yeah. To not do, to just be. So here's my suggestion for that. You don't have to take it on all at once. You don't have to decide, okay, today I'm doing everything in alignment. It could be as, it could be as small as I have five things on my agenda for next week. Like on Monday, it's, it's a Tuesday next week on Monday. I have six appointments that are set up for me to do in there back to back to back. What's one you could take off the list and be like, you know, that could be an email. That doesn't yeah. need to be an actual appointment or that's just going to spend money. And it's just to fill time, like starting to just analyze or audit a little bit. Like mm -hmm. what's one thing that I could take off your plate. Um, I'll give you a business example. That's about putting yourself kind of back in your driver's seat. Yeah. For a long time, I was paying people to do social media. I was paying people to do some of my um, like editing for and posting for my blogs, podcasts, all that. I had a whole team and like a virtual assistant who was helping me. And sometimes delegating, and I talk about this in the book, it's really an essential part of freeing you up to do more meaningful or deep work. But sometimes when you're paying for all that, then what you end up doing as a business owner is just like scrambling to make more money. So that way you can pay all your people. So that way you yeah. can keep the ship afloat, right? And so I had a therapist say to me at some point, like, well, you seem angry at everybody who works for you because <laughs> they don't do as much work as you do, but you pay them to do the work. She's like, so is there one person you could eliminate that you could do the work in that of that thing and you could literally siphon off that that exact amount of money and put it into something that you want to do you could go buy yourself a shirt that you want to buy you could yeah. go out to dinner once a week you like is there some way you could pay yourself as you're building this huge empire that you want to build instead right. of just constantly driving and driving and doing and doing and doing so those are a few examples of ways as you're going along that you can start to kind of pace yourself instead of going like, I have to go full force all the time. And let me put my doctor hat on for a second. The reason that matters is because when you're constantly in productivity mode, mm. your brain thinks that it is in danger. Mm. It thinks that you're being chased by a tiger in the jungle like back in the day, it has no way of differentiating that you're here in the modern world and that you just have like normal stress. Mm. 
versus that actual real physical threat. So what happens? Um, your cortisol levels go up, which makes it so that your like belly fat's gonna increase. Your like stress levels go up, so it makes it so you have more migraines. It's harder to sleep. Um, you're gonna be more stressed yes. in the day. All of those things, you're not gonna be able to think as creatively, all the different things. And so it really sabotages you. So if you live like that though, for a long time, of course, what does it do when you're running from a tiger? That keeps you safe. Yeah. And so as you're starting to kind of decide, I want to slow down, I want to be more intentional, I want to be more aligned, you have to retrain your brain slowly that actually you are safe when you're quiet and resting, you're not setting yourself up for an attack. So yes. I know it's a little nerdy, but sometimes if you think about it like that, it helps you be like, oh, I get it. Totally. Totally. And it's something, it's so crazy because for a long time, I preached that on my platform. I would say all of those things because I was a person who struggled with high cortisol. I struggled with a thyroid issue. Like that was kind of the catalyst for me starting my whole brand. Um, and like I said, it wasn't really until last year that I, I, I would meditate every day, but it's like, you have to actually embody what that meditation means throughout the rest of your day in order yeah. to be able to feel the effects. So you can't go meditate and then just rush from one thing to the next, to the next, yeah. to the next. And I'm not saying that this is the case for everybody where you're going to feel this like low point um, that causes you to make change. But for me, what, what had happened was, and I know that like, there's no way to fully know this. I'm going to like preface that for everything, but this is what like intuitively I feel like happened. Um, I had a miscarriage in April that I've like talked about on my show and on my platform before. And I attribute that to having really high blood pressure and having a sub chorionic hematoma, um, because of that really high blood pressure, because I was so stressed at the time. Mm -hmm. And for me, that was the moment where I was like, I, I know I want more kids. I know that this value of like building my family mm -hmm. is the most important thing for me right now. And I have to make a change if mm -hmm. I want to see that. And like what I noticed just from doing that and like, in terms of like fertility, like, of course I, you know, want to have another baby again, but like, I've also like had so much better sleep. I am so much less anxious. I feel like it is like the easiest time in my life ever to maintain my weight. Like everything just flows better when you are not, your body doesn't feel like it's in danger all the time. And I think yeah. that people think that like, I can just eat all the right food and take all the right supplements, but like not do anything about this big elephant in the room, which is my stress. And it's like, that's, what's going to get me healthy. And I just like, love that you shared that because I think that we all have to recognize, and I don't know if you can put like a number on it or like, give us a, like, what is the, like, you know, the, this tipping the scales, like how much does food make a difference versus stress make a difference? Totally. A stress makes way more of a difference than food. Absolutely. Because when you're stressed, your body's not going to metabolize the food as quickly because it thinks that it needs to store it up in case you have to run from that tiger for months and months and months. Yeah. So it's like, I'm just going to hold on to this because who knows when we'll have a chance to slow down and eat again. You know, obviously also when you're stressed, you tend to eat more more <laughs> like so i am with you that actually in terms of like weight and body and stuff that when i am at my least stressed i can eat whatever i want but not in the way but i don't eat more like i yeah. eat less of all the things that i want but i don't feel like oh god i can't have that cookie because i'm like well i'm not gonna eat five because yeah, i'm not because i'm not stressed i'm not stressed yes. so i'm not binging it literally as yes. a way to cope with the stress that I have or restricting the food that I have because I'm stressed. And then later my body, again, totally. like my metabolism is going to slow down. So now I'm going to, whatever food I do eat, my body's going to keep on that, like keep it in my body as much as possible. So yeah, no, I would say that stress reduction is the hardest thing to actually put into practice. Like you're saying, and I appreciate so much your honesty and vulnerability about like going to the meditation class, doing all yeah. that stuff, and then like jumping right into it. Cause I have done that too in my life where I'm like, 
I am going to go to the spin class and like take all the deep breaths or go to yoga or whatever. And then I'm just going to jump right into it and get stressed. And I can feel literally my heart racing throughout the day as I'm trying to jump from one thing to the next. So, um, it really is about incremental and consistent stress reduction throughout the day and throughout the week and choosing like what's the return on investment? I think for those of you who are business people, again, like small business owners or stay at home business people, or you work in a corporate setting, that idea of like, what's the return on investment? If I take that extra meeting, how much money is that actually going to make me? Or how much is it going to actually move my thing forward? You know, sometimes I'll be stressed about putting something on Instagram, like a reel. Yes. what are you doing? Like, we're supposed to be having dinner and you're sitting here like, well, I have to like five posts after and before, and also like these explorer posts, you know? And he's like, you're crazy. It's like, like, yes. Yes. And I think that happens to a lot of us. A lot of us. The forest for the trees. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like our kid is sitting right in front of us, but we can't get off our phone because we need to just do this thing real quick and they're asking for our attention and we can't give it to them because we have this more other important thing to do. So, um, yes, I think absolutely. It's about practicing over time, starting slow, building your tolerance basically, for being less productive. Hi, I'm Kelly Namiro, your host, certified holistic hormone coach, and Pilates instructor for the WBK Method. You can consider me your guide in helping you curate the very best version of yourself from the inside out. Feeling physically better by optimizing your hormones to feeling mentally and emotionally better by creating a more deep and grounded connection with yourself. I get questions all the time in my DMs about things like, what supplements should I be taking for my menopause symptoms? Or is it normal that I'm always exhausted? My doctor said that's what happens as I get older. Or maybe I gained 20 pounds in the last couple of years and I have no idea how to lose it. And even I'm chronically bloated and I've tried every elimination diet. Please help. But here's the thing. There are no quick fixes is out there. Until you know the root cause of what's going on in your body and you use precision supplementation, a targeted diet, and mindset and lifestyle changes that are specific to your unique circumstances and lab values, you're never going to be able to heal. Throwing just random supplements that make all these promises or a restrictive diet at a weight issue is never going to work because it's not focused on what's going on internally with you. And often we can make the problem worse when we do these things. And that's why I've created the WBK lab review package. In this package, you'll receive lab kits and a custom lab form based on your symptoms and health history. Once you've completed the saliva kit for your adrenals, the stool kit for your gut health, and the blood tests for your hormones and other health markers, we'll sit down together and create a customized plan that will help you balance your hormones in a holistic way so that you can lose weight, have more energy, maintain a balanced mood, and achieve the results that you've been wanting. This year, it is time to get the results that you've been dreaming of because you're targeting your unique system. If you're ready to experience more energy, comfort, confidence in your body, and relief from those nagging symptoms that have been bringing you down, I would love to support you in doing just that. This program includes a one-on-one call between you and me, all of the labs needed to create your customized protocol, and a PDF with your unique plan that you'll be following going forward so that you can take your time in implementing your new diet, supplements, and lifestyle changes. To learn more about this, head to the link in the show notes or go to wellnessbykelly.com to learn learn more about the WBK lab review. So you've given us some really great tips thus far. Like, I think that what people should start with before they even like, when they go get your book, like it's like writing down those five things, like the things that are really important to you, right? Whatever you want to call them, your values or whatever. Um, We talked about like delegating or looking at your calendar and peeling things off. Can you give us like from the point of writing down the values, and you can, you might call it something different, but from that point of writing down those five things, what is like, what are the next, like three action steps that somebody should take from that point? Okay. So step one is to define your center points. Those are those five values Mm -hmm. that define what you want to say yes to in your life. Then there's all the other stuff in life that has to get done, but that shouldn't define you at all. So the next step is to create some strategies around those things. And I break them up into four sections. So number one is the non-negotiables. Oh, and by the way, in the book, 
you don't even have to write down the values yourself. We lead you exactly through how to like figure out what the values what are, they are, what are the things that bring you joy, how to combine them, how to create your center points, all that stuff. And we do it like, you can visualize it. You can ask a friend, you can ask Beautiful. people to describe it. Like you got all the help of the whole world to figure that out. So you're not on your own on that. Don't, it's not as daunting as, <laughs> okay. okay. So then you have to figure out, okay, cool. But I live here in the real world. So how do I get the laundry done? Right? Yeah, yeah. So. Okay, so the first area to attack that needs strategies is the non-negotiables. These are the things that you can do and only you can do. Mm. So let's say, for example, you're a breastfeeding mom. Okay, for that moment, you are the person who has to be the breastfeeder. But <laughs> how could you make it as efficient as possible? Could you, like, when you're pumping, could you have one of those bra things that make it so that you can be mobile and you can drive in the car while you're pumping or, right. you know, that type of thing. Um, for me, as a doctor, uh, when I write emails or when I write notes, I have templates that I use. So that way I'm not reinventing the wheel every single time. Every time. Are there certain things that need to get done, but that don't need your full effort? So for example, if I'm in charge of dinner, uh, I split the meals up with my husband, but I do dinners, like say like on Monday and Wednesday nights. Well, my dinners are not gonna be fancy in the middle of the week. They're gonna be some store-bought rotisserie chicken, some broccoli and a baguette. So I'm really gonna like on purpose, not go full out for that thing that I'm responsible for doing. So those are the non-negotiables. The next is the swappables. These are the things that you should delegate to other people, the things that should not be on your list at all. So that could be that you figure out a way to swap with your partner, if you have one, if you live at home with somebody. And I go through exactly how to do that, how to set up the meetings, kind of all off air play, yeah. all that good stuff. It could be your kids, getting them to help with more chores. It could be getting other people in your village to be helping you, neighbors mm -hmm. or people at school, that type of thing. Okay, then the next is the contaminators. These are all the things that physically clutter your environment mm. or that clutter your mind. So this is what we we're talking about, like peeling stuff off your calendar. Mm. Or it might mean that you take a day and just in your office, in your physical space, that you're like, I don't need that, I don't need that, I don't need that. So you have less stuff to clean up and to do mm -hmm. in the first place when you're cleaning. Yeah. And then finally, it's the heartstrings. So some of the to-dos in our life are things that we want to do, we want to pay attention to, but if they take up too much of our emotional energy, they can actually sabotage the rest of the stuff that we're interested in. So for example, um, and this is a tough example, but it's the most accurate one I have. My dad has Parkinson's. I love my dad. My dad is amazing. And also very hard to like have a conversation yeah. with at this point and to like, it's emotionally draining. So I have to set up some very specific boundaries for myself emotionally. He's not doing anything to me, but like for myself to say, okay, on, you know, Thursdays from nine to 12 is my time to be with my dad. I know I'm going to invest in this person who I've loved for such a long time. Yeah. And I'm going to feel like I really took care of him versus the whole week being like, gosh, I don't do enough for my dad. Gosh, I don't do enough for my dad. Gosh, I don't do enough yeah. for my dad right? Because that's distracting. So that's, that's step one. Step one is you figure out, all right, there's all this other junk. How do I kind of divide it into these categories? And what are some fixes I can do to make sure I just take care of them? Beautiful. And all of the strategies, by the way, are not my ideas, right? They're all things that experts talk about all the time, decluttering, all that. Yeah. It's just that you can't declutter everything. You can't put a boundary on everything. So when people throw quick tips at you all the time, sometimes even that's overwhelming. Yes. To be like, I'm supposed to declutter and set a boundary and yes. delegate. You know? Yes. So, okay. So that's step one. Step two is really taking care of yourself in deep, meaningful ways. And I do not mean pedicures and manicures, even though I love all that stuff. <laughs> I mean, figuring out how do I spend time re-energizing myself in a way that sets me up to be able to focus on all that stuff where I want to place my time and sure. my energy. So for me, that's a good like spin class with loud hip hop music, or it's a super funny comedy show. Or it's like bouncing around with my kids in the car to music that I love, driving with the windows down and singing at the top of our lungs, right? So like, that's one part of self-care. The other part is the self-compassion I was talking about. Mm. Um, the third part for me is about a lot of um, radical acceptance, like working constantly on, yeah, I didn't choose to have a kid with autism, 
that wouldn't have been my first choice. She's amazing. She's a lovely human being. Absolutely love her. And also it's more challenging in our family. Yeah. But guess what? I can't change it. Neither can she. Now what? As opposed yeah. to spending all day long being like, well, if she would just change. Yeah. You know, like it's not going to. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, yeah. So step two is like self-care, but in those ways that are like, what do I need? What thing do I need to like, honoring your needs? Yes. Honoring yes, your true. needs. Yep. And then the third step is starting now that you've kind of organized and you have a framework and you've kind of figured out, okay, where does everything go? Is starting to get serious about what I call the linchpin center point. So you had your five things that you mm -hmm. cared about the most, but there's usually one that kind of is like the rate limiting step for everything else. Sure. It's like the thing that if you can't get a hold on that, you're never going to be in a good spot. Mine is always money. When I'm in a bad spot with money, then I can't think about anything else. All I think about is money makes me sad or makes me anxious or makes me whatever. Yeah. And so most important for me when I was going on this journey was like, okay, I got to get my money straight. I don't mean I need to be a billionaire. I mean, I want to like not be in debt. I want to make sure that I'm like, you know, living within my means, all those things. So, so I walk through in the book, like, how do you identify which of the center points is the thing that's the most important to you? Sure. And how do you make some actual goal setting steps toward that? One really important point on that is, it's not like you're going to solve it all overnight or that that's ever going to be perfect. Right. It's just that once you start to make some movement, it motivates you to be like, ah, okay, I'm not fully stuck. Yeah. I'm making traction. And then you can move on to the other center point that yeah, matters yeah. the most. You know what I mean? Like, okay, now that I'm not thinking about money all night, I can sleep. Okay. So I have now more I can brain space. On my wellness, you know what I mean? <laughs> So yeah, so those are the steps. Those are the three steps is figuring out what are all the other things that need to get done, but shouldn't define you. What are some strategies for those that work for you? And sometimes some work, sometimes the other ones work at different times, just depends. Then figuring out how do I want to take care of my own needs? What are the things that really fill me up that make me feel like I'm refreshed and ready to start again? Beautiful. And then starting to make some strides on the things that matter most to you. I think that those are such great tips. And I think that there was a little bit that came out of what you just said that I want to dive a little bit deeper into because I feel like for the women that I work with, at least, um, one of the biggest things that holds them back from being able to actually make the changes that we're talking about here is fear of judgment. And they don't even realize they have this fear of judgment mm -hmm. and that lack of self-compassion. So like, for example, I was talking to a past client of mine, like right before the end of the year. And we were talking about like, why don't you, you know, try to like ask one of the other moms on the soccer team, if she can drive the kids half the time and you can drive the kids half the time that way you're home to put your other kid to bed. Like that way that takes something off your plate. And she's like, well, I don't want her to think I'm a bad mom because I can't drive them to every night. And it's like, okay, there is that fear of judgment creeping yeah. in for like somebody else. Like it's like, who like, and like, I will fully admit, like, obviously we've talked a lot about my perfectionism. Like I have a hundred percent been there, yeah. but it is so easy to fall into that trap of wanting everybody else to think we're perfect and we're people pleasers and that we can do it all. And so what is the step there to switching that mindset from, I care so much about what everybody else thinks about my life and the way that it looks to I care so much about how my life feels. Yeah. Okay. So I think step one actually is what you are doing for her, which is bringing awareness to it. Sure. Because I think that if we can just stop and go, oh, this isn't what I want. I, I'm just nervous. Other people will think I look bad. Just, just knowing that that's the reason for your action helps to put it in perspective. Half the time, if I realize, oh, it's because I... And feel like I'm going to be embarrassed. I can snap myself out of that at this point, having practiced yeah. enough to be like, oh, well, that's stupid. That's yeah. dumb. I'm not going to like let other people's judgment, you know what I mean? Like, come on. <laughs> yeah. So I think that's true. The other thing I think is, and this was a huge turning point for me, deciding I want to like myself more than I want other people to like me beautiful. Like, <laughs> I have just, yeah, like, like I would rather at the end of the day, be happy with how 
I am than have other people's opinions be good. And really that comes back to like integrity or if I was to tell it to a friend how something went, could I tell it and be like, not not like, oh, shoot. And then I didn't really do the thing that I should have done. I just did it because I felt bad or, you know what I mean? Like, like we all have that where we were like, where we would know that we listened to our gut or we know that we know that we stood as our authentic self in a decision that we made. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's step number two is kind of when those things come up and you have a choice between other people liking you or you liking you Mm. identifying when that is and saying, you Mm. know what? I'd rather like myself. I'd rather like myself. I'd rather feel good in my life. Yes. Yeah. And the reason that's hard, by the way, just to give people like a little bit of support is because as women, we are taught from the earliest ages to be people pleasers. Yes. We're taught that if other people don't like us, not only are we not as worthy, but we also might have retribution. Someone might fire us. We might not be as successful. We might not be as successful. Again, coming back to my mom, this is making her sound really terrible, but she's (laughs) awesome. It's just like, you know, it's like the the, epitome of old school that she... She'll say to me still, when I have contracts for things, she'll be like, ooh, well, did you say it in a way that will make it so that they maybe don't like you? <laughs> and now I've learned, you know what I mean? Like now I've learned that that helps me to be like, oh, great. Thank you so much for being a litmus test for me. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yes. Like, like, no, I can't care if they don't like me. I'm going to be polite. I'm always going to be kind. I'm not going to be like mean to people. Right. But if I need to stand up for what I need and I need to honor myself, if people don't like me for that, yeah, that's really their problem. Not hundred percent. I just had a situation like this come up with work where it was like, I could have kept my mouth shut and like, just gone in when somebody had asked me to do something to promote like their business, or I could have been like, which is what I ended up doing is like, no, like if you want to work with me and you want like, like, this is what I charge. These are like, because it's like, this is a business. This is not just like, uh, like, and in the past, like if it was, was three years ago, I would have just gone along with it. And they would have been like, you know what, like this person really needs my help. Like they need my, you know, like support and like my followers to like, like their business, like, no, like let's stop over explaining it to ourselves. And if they get upset with that, then like that's on them and their issue. Like you're, you're sitting there and like prioritizing yourself. And like, that's a really beautiful thing. And I think we need to learn to do more of it a hundred percent. Yeah. So the more that you can remind yourself, that's the reason why I feel this way. I feel this way because the world has told me that I'm supposed to. I should feel this way. Yeah. Then that helps, I think, to externalize it, to not have it be like, oh, well, there's something wrong with me. I've always wanted to please people. Oh my goodness. It kind of fires me up a little. It makes me have that righteous self-compassion, that fierce self-compassion to go like, well, how dare they put that on me? Like, I don't think so. You know, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna live that way. And again, also, if you have girls or you have boys, whoever, if you have kids, I mean- think about that too, for them. Like part of our job as parents is to be an example for our kids or to model how we want them to respond. I don't want my kids to be people pleasers and to have people take advantage of them physically. I don't want them to be taken advantage of mentally, emotionally, my girls. I want them to have relationships where they feel like they're equal with their partners. Like I want them to have successful careers. And so whatever I want them to be, I try my best to be that even if I feel like I'm walking on shaky ground as I do it. Sure. And my knees are buckling under me because I know that's the only way to move the needle forward. A hundred percent. I want nothing more in this world. Like I love my boys and I want to teach them things, but I, the same things, but I, what I was going to say is I found some sort of, um, where was it? It was some research that was just published. And now I can't remember where I saw it, but it was like 82% of like 12 year old girls feel overwhelmed most of the time. And I'm like 12, like when I was 12, I was like playing outside, like building forts and like doing like, like 12, you're feeling overwhelmed. And like, there's tons of pressure on you. Like, I don't want that for my kids for like at, at all. And if I can take the steps to like walk that back and show them like that that's not how they have to live like I will 
absolutely do it. Even though, like you said, like it's going to be uncomfortable for me because that's yeah. not the way that I'm used to doing things. Kind of in the last question we were talking about, we we're talking about that like fear of judgment and like all of that. And then um, part two of that was kind of around self-compassion. I think a lot of us walk around with this negative voice in our head. I know you touched on that before around like how, like very briefly, but I would love it if you could expand on that a little bit. Like where does that negative voice come from? Because I think a lot of us think that it's like a punishment, but it's not. And how do we start to course correct? Yeah, totally. So we are really good at being critical of ourselves. I mean, in some ways it's a protective factor. It's a way right. for us to not like evolutionarily, right? It's a way for us to not be so brash that we injure ourselves again, that we get caught by the tiger. We have to constantly be kind of questioning ourselves and looking over our shoulder and making sure that we're doing okay. But obviously it's not helpful in today's world to be so self-critical. And moms especially are really, really critical of themselves, especially when you have that voice that's just going nonstop about the to-dos, you can just feel like a failure really quickly. So the antidote to that is self-compassion and self-compassion is not about you being unrealistic about like you're this perfect human being or not being accountable for your actions. It's really emotion coaching like we do for our kids, but yeah. for ourselves. So emotion coaching and pediatrics for those who are not familiar is this idea of when your kid is throwing a fit, they're having a big emotion, that the first step is instead of saying like, stop crying, it's to name what the emotion is. Oh, you're really angry. To validate the emotion, that makes sense that you're really angry because Johnny just took your toy from you. And basically to let your brain have a pause so that that way you can help your child to figure out like, okay, what's the next step with dealing with this emotion? So it's, it's the idea basically of like, you can't get over an emotion until you go through it, until sure. you recognize it. And a lot of therapy is this about, you know, that's what, like, how does that make you feel? Like if you're yeah. in therapy, like over and over and over, like how much money did I pay for this? Um, but we can do the same thing for ourselves. So we can basically be our own therapist in some regards. We can be our own best friend where we can recognize the emotion that we're having. I feel guilty. Okay. Validate the emotion. That makes sense that you feel guilty. Your child needed you and asked you to pay attention to them. And you had an important work call that came in at the exact same time. And then the next step is self-compassion. It's this idea of common humanity. So feeling like you're not alone. So this idea of like, I could fill a coliseum full of other moms who would feel <laughs> the exact same way in this moment. And that's actually the really interesting thing I think about social media these days is so many stories and reels and things that are just like about feeling seen that I think is an amazing thing about social media. So anyway, so validating or naming, validating kind of that uh, common humanity piece, again, which gives us a pause enough to realize that it's not something that's wrong with us. It's just a normal human emotion that's happening. It totally makes sense. And then we can move on to what the solution is instead of rushing to the solution. So the solution might be, okay, well, I'm going to feel guilty for the next five minutes while I take this call. I can decide next time if taking the call was the right solution or if I should like have scheduled my time differently with my kids. But it takes a little bit of the like energy out of the situation and allows us to not go into this huge spiral right? or to aggrandize it and make it so that it applies to us at large, right? Like, oh, I was terrible in this moment. I didn't pay attention to my kids. So that means I'm a terrible mom. Like instead just making right. it like, ah, oh, it's just one small moment. Right. I can try again later. Right. A hundred percent. I think that like making it not about like who you are as a person versus making it about that moment in time, because that's what allows you to actually do something different yeah. the next time and choose something differently the next time. So one of the things that you talked about was like the forms of self-care that you have chosen, right. um, like the comedy shows and things like that. And I think that that's really cool because it's, it shows that you have personally taken the time to say, what actually makes me feel mentally and emotionally different, better, et cetera. Um, and so I, I meet a lot of moms. I talk to a lot of moms um, and just women in general. I don't have to be a mom 
who have gotten into adulthood and feel very disconnected from themselves. Like, I don't even know what would feel good to me in this moment. Like, I have no idea because I've been so busy taking care of everybody else for so long that I don't even know what my passions and interests and hobbies are. Where do those people start? Yeah. Start with what you complain about all the time. Mm. In your head or to everybody else. Start with that. Like, okay, I complain that my kids are all over me. Okay, that means I need physical space from them. I complain that I'm tired all the time. Okay, that means I need to do something like restful. I complain that like, I can't remember the last time I read a book. Like I don't have time for books. Nobody has time for books. Okay, that's the thing that you probably should do. That's the thing you're yearning for. Step two would be think about the things where you have felt the most alive or ask your friends or colleagues or your partner tell me about the times where you feel like I'm the most myself, like the best version of myself. Mm -hmm. And that might be you're at a concert or that might be you're laughing with friends or you're having a party. Like to me, a form of self-care would not be to have a party. Would not be having a party. No, no. Oh, Lord, no. But my husband, hundred percent. That would energize him. Yeah. So even though that doesn't sound like traditional self-care, that is his version of self-care. And if yeah. he came up here and asked me, I'd be like, you need to go golfing. You need to have a party. Like yeah. these are the things that you need to do. And it's so funny that you say that. Cause like one of the things that I was super like hard on my husband for, for so long was like, I was like, I don't want people staying in our house. Like, I don't want your friends staying here. Like when they come to town, like get a hotel. Like yeah. I don't want, yeah. but like that is self-care for him. Like, so this um, in February, he has a friend who's coming to town. He's like, can you stay at the house? And I was like, you know what? Sure. Because what is that? It's not doing anything to me. Like I'm fine. His friend can pick up after himself. He's a 40 year old man. Right. And like, he gets energized from it. He, cause he works from home. He doesn't go out like a ton. And so right. getting to see his friends is energizing. So like, we have to be able to recognize it in ourselves, but also in our partners, if we have them, because I think it's really, really important um, to be able to do that for them. Yeah. Well, and the more that you're getting your needs met, the easier, easier it is to be generous. Totally. Everybody else having their needs met. Like if I'm not getting my needs met, like nobody's going golfing, nobody's having yes. their friends over. But, but if my <laughs> needs are met, I don't care. Do what you want. Have your friends over. You know what I mean? That probably yes. speaks to the fact that you're in a different place in your life and on your like mental health journey that you feel like, oh yeah, that wouldn't be that big a deal. Because when you're stressed, when you've lost your identity, yes. other people having an identity and other people having a good time is bothers you. Oh my God. Yes. (laughs) And I never thought about that that way before, but you are so right. He was even said to me, like, as of recently, he's like, you know, I just feel like you like, let me do the stuff I want to do more so now. Like then even when we first got married, like you let me go backpacking when I want, go, me go golfing when I want. I'm like, yeah, I feel good. Like I feel, I feel content and at peace. And I don't feel like I'm like constantly trying to keep my head above water. So exactly, I love that perspective. Um, so if there is one piece of advice that you want to leave our audience with that we haven't covered yet, please take it away. I think the biggest thing that moms in your audience need to remember is that they have more control than they think they do. Mm-hmm. You have more of a choice than you think you do. You cannot control a lot of the things you're trying to control. You can't control exactly who your kid's going to be. You can't control how your partner reacts to you. You can't control how your workplace treats you all the time. Those things like somewhat, but the thing that you have full control over is how you show up and how aligned you are every single day. And the totally paradoxical thing is that's actually the thing that makes the biggest difference. All those other factors matter, but you and yourself and the way that you move through your life, that is the biggest determiner of how it's going to end up. So never forget that you have a lot of control over a lot of things. It's just usually not the things that you're trying to control. (laughs) Totally. Totally. I think that like, again, I know I've used myself as an example so much in this interview, but it's like, when I recognize like with the things that were in my control that I could change that didn't feel good in my life, that felt really draining. It was like so much more simple to like, be like, oh, well, I'm going to change that. And I'm going to stop doing that. And, and it, it may, it does, it makes the biggest difference in, in your life. And I feel like, um, 
just because of like who my audience is and like how they're kind of a mirror of everything I'm going through. I think this episode is going to resonate so much. This has been one of my favorite recordings and I don't say that after every, every episode. So thank you for doing this. I really appreciate your time. Tell our listeners where they can find more of you, where they can get the book, all the things. Yeah. So you can find out more about me, blogs, podcasts, tons of free resources at modernmommydoc.com. And then the book is called Doing It All, Stop Overfunctioning and Become the mom and person you're meant to be. It's available wherever books are sold um, as of January 30th, um, Amazon, you know, all the different places. Um, and yeah, if you love it, come follow me at Modern Mommy Doc um, on the gram. That's where I hang out the most too. Great. Thank you so much, Dr. Whitney. This was such a pleasure. I hope to see you again soon. Thanks so much. I really hope that you enjoyed that episode. You can follow me on Instagram at Wellness by Kelly or head over to our website, wellnessbykelly.com. Sign up now for the Wellness by Kelly seven-day free trial on our app or head over to our course and now get 20% off the course or 10% off of the membership with the code Balancing Chaos, all one word, B-A-L-A-N-C-I-N-G-C-H-A-O-S. In our course, you'll get access to an emailed lab review plus protocols built out to help you heal with whatever hormonal imbalance you're struggling with. With our membership, you'll receive a library of content with our app with low impact workouts, blood sugar balancing recipes, and mindfulness meditations, all designed to help you balance your hormones and help you feel like you are living your most beautiful, joyful, and vital life. If you like the show, please leave a rating and review. That is the best way to help the show grow and get to more listeners. We hope you enjoyed, and I will see you next week.